Welcome back. It's Swing Pass. I'm Adam Ruffner, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Daniel Cohen. It is the Thursday before Halloween. We're in peak spooky season. It's very much fall here where I am in Madison, Wisconsin. You've got great leaves everywhere. Just a wonderful time of year here in the capital city of Ultimate. We've got two days left in the All-Star Game fan voting on the AUDL.com website. Voting will wrap up tomorrow, Friday, October 28th. You can still cast a vote today and a vote tomorrow by the end of the day. Uh, Again, at the AUDL.com for one of the four categories to finish up the 2022 AUDL All-Star Game rosters, which will be played in Portland on November 12th, coming up in just over two weeks. Daniel, we've had our last two episodes about the All-Star Game, but today we're going to be talking about the best throwers and maybe, maybe distilling down to the best thrower in the league mm. now i don't know if we're going to accomplish that mission because there's just way too many good players to pick from <laughs> uh we started to kind of build from a list of seven we always like the number seven very ultimate centric number it's a lineup of players as probably most of you know uh but it was impossible to contain it to that especially given what kind of stuff we wanted to use as criteria and at this point i'll kind of hand it over to you and let you explain a little bit what went into our process for bringing these players into the discussion. Yeah, so when we talk about the best throwers, I think there's a lot of considerations that need to be had. Are we talking about the best throwers just from a pure skill standpoint? Are we talking about the best throwers that are like most consistent, uh, best for their team system? So all of these things are going to factor in. We've sort of narrowed it down to seven categories uh again with that that number seven so first one i think throw variety is probably the one that comes to mind first and this is just ability to throw flicks backhands hammers scoopers and then there's also sort of like a special teams element to this we want to group in pulling potentially like if that maybe separates some of the best throwers from each other if they have a history of unlocking really you know precise big pulls i think that is uh an aspect of throwing that that can be important and then also throwing buzzer beaters is a skill set we've seen particularly particularly from jack williams who just has a knack for floating these beautiful throws you know 80 yards downfield sitting perfectly in the end zone so there's some of those like x factor throws that i think are worth considering in that first category next we want to talk about versatility and this is sort of To compare it to NFL, there are pocket passers, and then there's guys that are really good at throwing on the run, more motion throwers. And I think there's a similar concept in Ultimate. You have like the rock handlers that are just in the middle of the field, surveying the field, usually good vision, and distributing the ball from the backfield position, and other guys that are more operating as downfield cutters, but are a lot more of those motion throwers. They're coming in to get the disc and then launching something deep. I think that versatility will, is something we're looking for as well. I, I, I was just going to add, it's also kind of the ability to transition from the backfield into the upfield space, even if they're yeah, not like a, fl- a fluidity. receiver. Like a, an ability right. to cycle through the offense. So they're not just limited yeah. to one space in particular. 
Sure, sure. Throwing from every spot on the field, like yeah. in every situation, is also uh, sort of a measure of versatility. Then we have takeover ability. This is just, I, I guess, particularly in late game situations or like you need a momentum boost for your team. Are, is your thrower someone that can go every other, like single-handedly moving an offense? I think there's some throwers that just have a lot of gravity to them and a lot of ability to take over the game when it matters most. And so we'll be talking about that. Then you have like risk-reward balance. There's a lot of really impressive deep throwers out there, but how often are they taking those deep shots? Are they completing enough of them? How how much are you like a safe handler versus a, a more aggressive one? Like, are your assist numbers high? What's your completion percentage? So that's kind of all risk-reward. Then we have proven track record or sample size, consistency, whatever you want to call it. This is just how long these guys have been these elite throwers for. And I think there's certain guys that have come onto the scene uh, a little bit uh, in more recent history than others. Other guys have been doing it for a decade or more. So there's definitely an aspect of that. Then you have, I, I like this category a lot. We're just calling it jaw-dropping throws. It's, it's the most impressive highlights. It's the throws you yourself will never be able to do no matter how hard you work at this skill set, but some guys just have this next level ability to throw throws that are, are really impressive. And, you know, some guys do that with consistency. Others, you you know they have it in them, but maybe they don't do it as often. So jaw-dropping throws, I think, is a fun category. And then lastly is vision. And I think this just kind of goes with versatility, goes with throw variety. But having that vision to pick your spots on the field, finding open guys in rhythm um, or from a standstill, I, I think is it's, there's going to be a lot of crossover within these categories. But yeah, that's that's our, our current lineup of seven. Uh, curious uh, listeners, if you guys have other categories you'd consider, uh, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter or wherever else. But yeah, that's what we're going to roll with as our guiding uh, tenants for this conversation. I know we're going to get into it a lot more as we kind of go into analyzing specific players as to what each of these criteria mean for us. But I kind of wanted to get back to your last uh, category in vision in that I think it's it's more complex than just being able to see the field well. I think there's kind of that differentiation of somebody who is very precise and can complete, you know, kind of what is in front of them, make their reads and kind of point, shoot, point, shoot, point, shoot distribute the disc that way then i think there's also the vision of and this might relate more to the category you talked about a risk versus reward of seeing the field maybe differently from others not just taking an open side swing and executing in the available open space but changing the shape of the field through kind of a singular ability to either see what is developing and or make a throw to a tight spot that you know, maybe nobody else in the field can make. I think there's a, a yeah. sort of very dynamic sense of what vision can mean. And we'll get into this as we get into each particular thrower. Um, did you have a player you kind of wanted to start talking about? And another thing we should mention is that we're going off of the 2022 season. Uh, we're, we're going with a recency bias here. We're not going to try to bring in a historical category or people at their prime that might be a deeper off-season discussion about who's the greatest thrower all time in the AUDL 
But I think that would take a lot more extensive research before we kind of wanted to yes. bring it to the plate. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the most recent season and using the throwers available from that roster set to make this discussion. So if we omit somebody or, or we're missing somebody from a prior season or somebody didn't play a whole bunch this year, we apologize. We're not trying to leave them out intentionally, but we will just be trying to stick to a group set that is already like 20 names long of <laughs> uh, potentially some of the best distributors in the league. Um, but I want to, again, kind of give it over to you and maybe allow you to start with a candidate. I, I, I guess in my mind, the the just knee-jerk name that pops into my head when I think who's the best thrower right now. It, it... Knee-jerk, come on. on. You're, this is not I know, I on. know, and this Go. is what's been so hard. Ryan Osgar, <laughs> from the past season, I think it was Ryan okay. Osgar from start to finish. Um, obviously, Jack Williams had an incredible championship weekend and playoff performance for the New York Empire in their undefeated season, but... When I just word cloud associate, name pops into my head, it was Ryan Osgar from this past season because of the precision, the variety of throws, the vision, the ability to optimize that New York Empire offense into the most efficient unit ever. You know, like I thought Osgar is the absolute jet fuel to any system you put him in. You know, there's obviously a myriad of stars around him and he has uber available large targets downfield um but yes. i think osgar and his skill set has that next level ability to just elevate everything around him um so when i think of best thrower just off the top of my head and and i'll even start disagreeing with myself immediately in a moment but for <laughs> me it's ryan osgar and that's sure that's me answering a it's question i asked you so you you should take the time to answer the question i meant for you yeah originally. The question of best thrower. My mind, it, I, I thought a lot about Oscar. It's so hard to separate the player from the team is what I always come back to. And I, I think yes. some of these other throwers had the big receivers that Oscar did. Not that throwing to big receivers is easy necessarily, but I do think it helps with his numbers a lot. Having guys like John Lithio and Jeff Babbitt and Ben Yad on the other end, because it's still he still is really good at placing these throws in spots where only these big guys can go up and get it. And like that is an impressive throwing feat. And I don't want to like uh like disagree with with that pick because just solely because of that. But I, when I just think of like transformative throwers, I think that's a word that comes to my mind and I, I mentioned it before the jaw dropping throws I think I weight that category pretty heavily it's Jonathan Nethercut to me I I just think he has so his his highlights like you just cut a bunch of these highlights of all these throws and I, I have to get through all of them but you watch Nethercut's highlights and I just it's think ridiculous. they're so impressive it's, it's stupid it's the it's the pinpoint hammers it's the range like I, I think he probably has one of the best ranges on, on like a wide variety of throws of any offensive player in the league right now. It's it's the velocity on his throws. It's the vision. He's like nailing these cross cross field hammers out of double teams uh, from standstill flicks. Like I think he's a good motion passer as well. I I just think so much of what Colorado did this past season started with John Nethercutt. 
And the fact he's been doing it for like at this elite level for such a long time now, I, I still just think it's, it's this jaw dropping quality to his play. Like, I, I just think he is the most talented thrower I've seen. So I got to give it to Nud. I, I don't think there's any kind of disagreement of the pure talent of Jonathan Nethercutt when he has the disc in his hands. Like, there's when you talk about gravity, right? You mentioned that a moment ago. There's not a player with greater gravity than Nethercutt. You can see defenses scurry when he starts to get the disc, let alone in a power position. You know, um, so I, I, I can't disagree with you there. Um, <laughs> I know. I, I feel think, like there's no disagreement to any of these guys, which is frustrating. Yeah, but. I think, and and especially in terms of just kind of the balance of the categories, I think you're absolutely right because he hits like number one in a couple of them in terms of like pure yeah. throwing repertoire and ability, vision, and then the draw jaw drop ability. Let's call it right. Um, that's a mouthful. <laughs> jaw dropping, but yeah, jaw dropping, but it's like jaw drop ability. Jaw drop ability is very difficult to say, and I, I yeah, but we got to do it. We got to do it. We got to do it. Yeah, yeah, we're committed. But right, it's it's the jaw drop the jaw drop ability with the throw variety. It's like he, you know, you've seen him just nail these jaw dropping hammers, jaw dropping flicks, and the jaw droppingness about these throws is both with the velocity of the throws, with the release points with the pure range, like he has some of the best, like all time AUDL highlights of him just like launching flicks like no one else. And the behind the back throw. The behind the back throw too. Yeah, if you want to bring in just the the throws that you don't understand and never will. The the no look throws we haven't even mentioned. He's got a few no look throws at this point. He had at least two this past season with Colorado. He had the one in his MVP highlights where he's doing the back and forth look back to a Tampa yeah. Bay players from a few years ago. You know, I would technically the behind the back throw is a no look. Uh, yeah. He was glancing at a different was. target. Um, <laughs> right. You know, like he's just got that in his bag. And it's one of those things where you go through and like maybe somebody near the goal line does a cheeky little look off no look where they're kind of looking in one direction and then just zip a pass to somebody who's completely open in their direction. Yeah, Nobody is so- throwing... The throws he's doing, no look. Like, he had one against Portland this past summer uh, to Jay Fruit in the back corner where he kind of spots him and then looks to the opposite corner and sort of pump fakes twice and then rips a 40-yard arcing backhand into the back corner. Like that it's, does it. it's th- it's throws that you're just like who else anyone, does these? It's it, I love the, the tries that it, they're like throwing it out the end zone. It's going into the stands or or something. You know, like anyone yeah. else even has the audacity to do that, and it like God will smite them for it. And yet he's they're, just out there cheekily getting away with it. They're the most just like throw your hands up, uh, you know, quit the sport because you're never going to be that good type throws like those those front cone (laughs) throws to the opposite back corner. Those mega flicks that he can launch. I it's just like every (laughs) I don't know. I feel like every significantly impressive throw that I saw from this past season belonged to Jonathan Nethercutt. And yet, I think the complication with him, and it's a big kind of weight, is the risk versus reward. And with all of this talent and the power and the gravity, 
also comes with it, I think, an immense amount of responsibility. And the fact of the matter is he completed under 60% of his hucks. He had, I think, the most throwaways in the league this past year. One, <laughs> he did. Yeah, he he did the, lead the know, league he, in throwaways. He hey, the, the best throwers got to take yards. a shots. Shooters got to shoot. I absolutely agree. And he led the league in passing yards and had 65 assists. And there's no doubt who Jonathan Nethercut is, period. But he led the league in throwaways. He had 43 throwaways. He had two stalls. He has an ability to turn the disc over. And as you see in this league year to year to year, offenses get more efficient. Offense becomes more the dominance of the meta of the sport. And turnovers, especially in these late playoff games at Championship Weekend, really matter. Really, really matter. The last three ABL champions have had fewer than 10 turnovers in the championship game. And so when you have one player making three to five by themselves in any given game, that's tough. That's really tough. You know, like it takes nothing away from his skill, but I just think it bears mentioning compared to some of these other guys, like an Osgar or something who had one of the most efficient throwing seasons ever this past year. You know, there's something to that. And I think that kind of brings in our next guest or our next candidate in this category and that is Pavel Giannis, the all-time leader in assists and completions in this league after just five freaking seasons of play as a pro. If you look at anyone else in the throwing leaderboards, they're doubling him in games played right now. They're, when you talk about resume and and provability or like ha- have they proven themselves to do this year in, year out, right now, yeah. in the AUDL's history, there hasn't been a better thrower than Pavel Giannis. He just... One of the things we can talk about and one of the things we can analyze a little bit is that maybe he doesn't have some of the repertoire of some of these guys. He doesn't have some of, I think, the the creative vision of like another cut or an Osgar where he's throwing over the top of a defense or kind of changing the shape of a field with a throw. But as we were talking about in preparation for this, he is a sledgehammer. He will just single-handedly propel an offense to really good efficiency numbers. The past two seasons, the Chicago Union offense has been, what, like second and third or top five uh, all-time efficiency for an offense as far as individual seasons go. And and that's because Mm -hmm. of the gravity and the consistency and the versatility of Pablo Giannis. You know, when you were talking about versatility, I think somebody who gets really under-talked about in that sense is Pablo. Um, I, I know we think of him as this, backfield general he's you talk over you talk about takeoverness or the ability to take charge i i yeah. think a one with a bullet might be pavlianis for just taking a, a 70 completion workload going every other initiating everything taking every first centering pass on every drive and every situation picking up dead discs like that dude is their field general um but i think his real utility lately has become that versatility and we've talked about that in previous episodes you know he scored more goals than ever this year and while they're not Mm -hmm. you know these insane receiving highlights his ability to kind of turn into a fullback in the red zone and just cycle out of the backfield and make his defender think about one more wrinkle to his game has added immense complexity to the Chicago system on offense and I think that is a huge credit to his development as a player going from what he was in, you know, his first couple of seasons in Chicago where he had to take 
every single kind of throw they needed you know like he just right just had to be the guy to what he is now which is obviously able to carry immense amounts of workload and execute at the highest levels but also be really good off disc you know kind of keep flow going not necessarily stick up the offense with needing to go every other he can do that but he's so right. good at picking his spots he he does a really good job taking what the defense gives him and obviously any team that matches up with Pavel you're you're probably going to think to yourself okay I want to push this guy downfield I don't want him in the backfield I don't want him running the offense and I think a combination of him just maturing as a player and the team and the pieces around him getting better where he doesn't need to command the same amount of touches that he has historically I think that's allowed him to, to, like you said, pick his spots better to release downfield. And he he beat guys deep several times this year and, and took advantage of continuation options and, and releasing from the backfield himself, not just in the red zone, but before the offense even gets there. There were plenty of possessions. Like we've seen that highlight of, of Barker and Rutledge just running a two-man game up the field. Like there there is the, the ability of the Chicago offense. And I think Pavel's fit in that offense doesn't require him to be that that like game-changing thrower at all times. Which, I yeah, I think that, like you said, it, it goes with versatility. I think he is one of the more versatile throwers in that sense and like his adaptability of his role. And then the the consistency to me is is what stands out. Like more, more above any other category for Pavel is just the fact that while his role has maybe shifted slightly he still is getting you know between 40 and 50 touches most games like it's still it's still him it's still his offense for the most part even with the pieces around him and I know I'm somewhat contradicting what I just said about his comfort level and releasing from the backfield but I, I still think the offense is at his at its best when he's back there and I, I just think the the ability that that he has to and has proven repeatedly to just do what he wants and facilitate it, like it's, it's not the jaw dropping throws that makes him one of the best throwers in the league. Like that, that's for sure. Not his strong suit, but yes, I, I think that consistency definitely brings him among the league's best. Also just like the, the risk rewardness of throwing that many assists while keeping his completion percentage as high as he does. I think that just goes with that like grinder consistent mentality that he's always had and I kind of wanted to bring up his vision because I think you talk about his versatility and his consistency being his strongest suit I think for me it's his computer-like AI ability to read and immediately know where to distribute the disc and watching him kind of over the years almost systematically disassemble one of the best defenses in the league in the Madison Radicals like that dude came in Giannis came into the league having to just grind out against a top three defense from the get-go with a very understaffed, then Chicago wildfire team. And over the past five seasons, he's just kind of figured out the code. He knows how to beat it. Like in the last uh, regular season game against the Madison Radicals, he didn't have any kind of star performance that he's capable of, but he facilitated a ruthlessly effective small ball drive-centric union effort against a Radicals team with kind of like nothing but pride to play for at home, you know? And like, 
I, I don't know how many times they've won exactly since 2019 at Bree Stevens Field, but they've dominated that matchup the past couple of years. And that's because Giannis knows how exactly to both himself beat the Madison Radicals defense and also kind of implement and coach everyone around him to do the same things. And I think that's a part of yeah. his vision. You know, like I was I was gonna say like vision, so yeah, fast. vision. I don't know if it's sort of vision adjacent, but he's like he's one of those pointers. Like he'll he'll point to his teammates, telling them the next throw in the sequence, like seeing seeing the progression before it actually happens. Like that is him. He's a very good communicator too. So I don't know if we like extend vision to almost like teammate uh, facilitation as well. But There's different yeah, it's kinds, sort of like you know. It's like an Again, adjacent category to being a thriller. I think. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm. I finished. <laughs> I was just gonna say. I think there's different kinds of vision. You know, like we were talking about Osgar and Nethercut. They're going to set their sights a little further past the initial defensive looks. And I think Giannis, over the years, has kind of become more and more nearsighted. Not to any kind of detriment. He absolutely has range. There's no question about his throwing ability, but I think you see him coming, bringing his sights in a little further and speeding up his time of release. He is so good at getting the disc out in under five seconds. I feel like other in like adverse win situations or in tight double teams out of like a dead disc scenario, he's getting the disc out so fast right now, right? And you, you kind of compare that to like high ability quarterbacks in the NFL and their time to release after the snap. You know, uh, the past couple of seasons, Tom Brady, I think, has been setting records for his ability to just get the ball out quickly. And I think you see that with Giannis and the Chicago offense more and more. They know where their reads are. They know what they want to get into. And Giannis, to his major credit, is the perfect conductor for initiating a lot of that, for just getting the disc to where it needs to go. He doesn't need it to be in his hands anymore. He will be the primary mover. But if it means him making that stall zero swing pass to the mid to get the ratchet look going across the field, he will do that 100 times out of 100. There is no question about where the right throw is when he's just sort of in that zone and making those quick read looks. And I don't know if there's a better distributor in that kind of area right now. I got a word. It's like a subcategory of vision is decisiveness, right? It's like... It's it's quick quick vision, or there's another way to put it, like seeing it and then doing it, like taking that read as soon as it's there. And I agree, he is he's one of the better players in the league at doing that. So then piggybacking off of that, I want to bring in another candidate in this list. The person who just led the league in assists this past year had the second most assists in a single season ever, second player ever to register 90 or more assists in a year. And one of the most decisive throwers, especially with his long looks, uh, Jordan Kerr. He went off this past season for the Salt Lake Shred. You know, we talked about his great rookie year in 2021, how good he looked for the Spiders, how much this Salt Lake team would probably rely on him in their first year in 2022. And we both went into the season expecting him to have a very, very good, if not great year. He had a historic year. I mean, he was just out there creating a mixtape of himself. You know, you talk about the jaw drop ability of Nethercut. Right behind him 
is probably Jordan Kerr. And especially when you talk about his kind of bag, his ability to work in both big open field spaces and tight red zone spaces, his ability to kind of make his left-handedness a true kind of danger on the field and ability to just manipulate defenses in a way that frankly you can't quite do as a right-handed thrower. Um, I, I don't know. He was just like one of the reasons I was debating a little bit when I was hesitating on Osgar was obviously Nethercutt and Giannis, but like the season that Kerr just had and the kind of ability he just showed in that shred system, it was as yeah. good as anyone else this past year. And while I think what dings him is the category of consistency and how long you've done this, if he right. puts up two to three more seasons like this, I mean, yeah, there, there hasn't really been a left-handed thrower like this in the league. And I think you're seeing a little bit of a peek into a sort of what's next look like when he's, when he's able to do his upfield one, two juke steps as a receiver and just accelerate using his four, six forty speed, you know, he looks like one player, but then when he comes into the backfield set and starts spicing up handler resets with some of that stuff, like that's different. Like as good as Giannis and Nethercut and Osgar are at juking open in space and stuff, they don't have kind of the, the size and length. And again, left-handedness that Jordan Kerr does. And you saw this past season, he threw 90 assists because of it. 90. He, I think the fact that he has forced his way into the best thrower conversation with really just one, uh, you know, single, one of the most impressive uh, from an efficiency standpoint, throwing performances in league history. I think his, his average of, I'm pretty sure he averaged like 2.8 assists every 10 points he played. Pretty sure that's the best mark ever for anyone that's played that's silly. an that's entire silly. season. Uh, yeah, and, and the way he did it was, like you said, the, the jaw-dropping throws. To me, that was like, he had those signature cross-field flicks that oh, it was a combination of vision. Yeah, it was like, yeah, just throwing the receiver open across the field in rhythm and just throwing to a spot and letting your receiver run onto it. Love those. Those were all beautiful. But he also had like maybe the most unstop most consistently unstoppable throw this year, maybe aside from like a Jack Williams inside flick, was the Jordan Kerr step out lefty flick down the line. And we saw it from week one onward throughout the season. But particularly in that game against San Diego, he set the tone as like, this throw is my signature throw. I'm going to do it. It's always going to be a situation for it. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. And I think that that fully deserves consideration uh, to put Kerr in the category of best throwers. When you have something like that, you have a consistent weapon that no one can seem to stop. I would also add to the Jack Williams, Io, and Jordan Kerr uh, kind of down the line lefty step out flick, uh, the just nether cut hook of just anywhere on the field, any situation it can be coming, he's just going to drop it over the top of every single defensive look you're trying to set up on the field. Um, Of of those three, I'm thinking back, I I feel like there a long time ago, there was an NFL discussion on like the most dangerous red zone weapon or like goal line weapon. And it was like the Rob Gronkowski slant, like split him out wide, put him on a slant. Like who's going to stop that or the Des Bryant fade dating myself a little bit, but 
Yeah, you like are. what 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 <laughs> single <laughs> what single throw would you say is like the most you know important or most transformative, most key for an offense between those three that we just listed? The Jack Williams inside flick, the Jordan Kerr step out lefty down the line, or the Nethercut Huck. All right, hold on one second, because I think as a Bears fan, you have an incredible omission, because in that list, there has to be some respect for the Devontae Adams in the red zone look the past couple of years when he was on the Packers. Fine, R. fine. I, all right, the discussion I'm referencing get was away like with in that. 2009 get away or something. Back shoulder fine. look to Devontae Adams from Rodgers. He was bad in, in 2010, whenever he started playing the league. He got good. Fine. He's whatever. He's an all-pro. All right. Anyways, no. Um, of those throws, I think right now it's the Kerr back corner look. I mean, look, his his ability to receive the pass and in one motion set his pivot, rotate out, and just immediately snap off at his the perfect are angle. Quick. He has yeah. the best pivot right now in the league. Like his quick move, so lefty quick. pivot. <laughs> It breaks everything, and you see it all the time. He just catches, and that's why he threw what probably thirty-five assists this season on it is because I, I would love, I would love a strictly uh, lefty step out flick assist montage of Kerr from this past year. It's, but yes, thirty-five sounds maybe on the low end. <laughs> it's probably closer to like twenty twenty-five. He's so big. How does he pivot so quick at his size? No one's doing that. Right. And that's what I'm saying. It's a peek into a kind of look that I don't think we've seen before. It's 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 obviously different from what Giannis and Osgar and Nethercut bring to the table, but I think it's equally as effective as he demonstrated this past year, almost setting an assist record and leading uh, you know, leading an offense that was a part of the highest scoring team in the AUDL in twenty twenty two in the Salt Lake Shred. You know, obviously their defense got a ton of breaks every game, but their offense very obviously put up a ton of points and that was a big reason because of Kerr and his yeah. just ability to to I think be creative as a thrower to just and and his insistence I think you know like he just had games where he would not go away I think particularly in the playoff game against Colorado when Salt Lake got off to a slow start and then he just yeah. kind of kept coming at them the rest of the three quarters after Salt Lake's slow first quarter you know, and he even did it in their first matchup of the season at Colorado. You know, Salt Lake had a lead into the fourth quarter, and it was a big reason because of Jordan Kerr's ability to function in the backfield as a thrower. It's the takeover ability, right? I mean, that was on full display. Yes. And I, I think so much of that was also he was the guy to do that in the Salt Lake offense. You know, in New York, obviously, several guys really with takeover well. ability. What? Oh, I was saying the shred offense enables Kerr really well. Like I think yeah, almost yeah, yeah. other than any other offense in the league, their ability to sort of like elevate and enshrine what his skill set is is second to none. I think that's I a agree. tremendous I mean, credit to understanding what their identity is. You know, we went into their inaugural season kind of wondering what is gonna be their reliance on the already established AUDL players in Jordan Kerr and Joe Merrill on this offense. And the answer is a lot because both of those guys are really good. And why would you need to make something more complicated than it needs to be? If it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, and I think you saw that a lot with Salt Lake. They 
there was a certain kind of simplicity to their offense at times. You knew who their good guys were and you knew they were going to try and get looks to them. And obviously that backfired a little bit against a very, very good and athletic Colorado team that could challenge shreds a one looks, but majority of the season Salt Lake looked really, really good just executing through their best players. I think as far as like the the difference goes between some of these throwers we've talked about and like the rest of their teammates, Kerr, Kerr I think has like the biggest gap between like, you know, I mean, I, this goes beyond throwing. It's his all around ability versus the pieces around him. Like he is more often than not in the situation where it, like it, it has to be him. Like he probably felt a tremendous amount of pressure every time he was out on the field and, and needing to make this offense function. There's a lot of guys that like set the tone for an offense, but Kerr was, he was an initiator. He was a finisher. He really did everything in between, which I guess comes back to versatility, uh, which is a pretty key criteria as well. And, and I think his, his versatility definitely showed throughout the season, like in addition to his singular impressive throws. So now that you bring in versatility, I'm going to bring in a couple more guys. I'm going to bring yeah. in Rowan McDonald, the DC Breeze, and Austin Draco Taylor from Atlanta Hustle. Two of the best, I it's think, a good group. sort of upfield switchable hybrids in the league this past season. Um, and they're very much people who I think function because of the system around them. They're very much players that, while they have singular talent abilities, I think very much are indebted to the kind of systems that they're in. Atlanta loves the deep look, and that really is facilitated by Draco's infinite range with both his backhand and his forehand, especially when he gets into power position. Similarly with DC, they love small ball. They love working it between all of their pieces, kind of using that rhizomatic approach of just a thousand tendrils. We can attack from any point. We're all skilled with the disc. But their A1 facilitator in 2022 was the re-emerged Rowan. You know, like he came back into MVP form this year after battling with injuries in 2021. And he looked amazing in his role for the Breeze. You know, he was so good for them all season. Uh, and his versatility shown throughout, you know, like, do you put somebody who can match his athleticism or do you try to roll the dice on somebody who's going to shut down his infinite throwing angles and ability to beat you both in the long and short game. And you talk about, I think, vision. Rowan might have one of the best sets of eyes in the league. You know, his ability to approach the field, I think, is second to none. You know, I don't I don't mean that in the sense of he's at a different level of execution. I just mean, as we've all seen throughout the years, the dude sees the field differently and he's willing to, similarly to Nethercut, make throws that other people just simply aren't really doing in those spots. He doesn't quite do it with his range throws. Obviously, he can huck it, especially on his flick side. But I'm talking about, we've all seen it in the red zone, in their small ball weave looks, where he's just kind of dinking and dunking, throwing these knuckleballs, the pizza toss throw. You know, he's doing <laughs> scubers and low-release push passes and just... The entire kit and caboodle. I mean, there the, he has a thousand throws, as his YouTube channel has shown. You know, like he is who he is, and he's just become more and more comfortable as he's grown as a player in showing the full toolkit again and again and again, and always making a defender 
question where he's coming from. You know, I think he's truly elevated to that status of you don't really know how Rowan is going to approach any given point, let alone any given sequence. He might sprint out from the backfield and become a receiver. He might take every other throw and just beat you with a thousand cuts. He might also drop a bomb downfield to Jeff Wodach if he gets it in a power position and they give him some space downfield. It's really hard to game plan for Rowan because how versatile he is, how I think variable his vision is, and because of how well he knows that system. As good and as balanced as the rest of the DC attack, it has grown into what it has because they've had Rowan as its primary engine. Hmm. I'm thinking about that. I <laughs> I don't know. If you remove Rowan from the DC offense... It would still be amazing. Do think it, yeah, do you think it suffers much? Do you think it looks the way it does if he wasn't kind of there throughout the years? I think he is. No, I think he is probably like the, his, the catalyst in like his their recent are move all over the system. You know, like yeah, he's he's the poster child of this this offensive approach that they've made a O line wide thing. I'm not taking anything away from that, but as far as like the throwing ability that he shows, I wouldn't say it's. I mean, his creativity, I would say, is at another level, and I think he's he's been considered one of the most creative throwers if not the most creative throwers in the league for several years at this point and of, of course credit to his youtube video for showcasing a lot of those uh but i don't know i think i think like johnny mox is also a fantastically versatile oh, player absolutely. in that's in that same system and maybe he doesn't have like the same level of of flashy or or variety throws that rowan shows uh. That man has a lot of scubers and a lot of hammers yeah. and a lot of over-the-top looks. Sure, he does. And I guess that's that's my point. I, I think there's... I, I don't see a huge gap between Rowan's like all-around throwing ability and, I guess, Malks or maybe some of his other teammates, too. But I, you did mention Draco Taylor. And the fact that we saw him as, like pocket passer center handler still still has always liked to move has always probably been at his best when he's in rhythm getting power position but had the ability in 2021 to just center the disc off of maybe a pole that went out of bounds or a stoppage or something and then just launch like the some of the most precise consistent hucks i've ever seen uh, I think Nethercut is obviously a, an amazing deep thrower, but the fact that he only completed 59% of his hucks this past year, Draco was at 78%, and I think Draco was at like 80% last year. Like deep ball accuracy, I, I'm so impressed by that because I, I think obviously those are like the most difficult throws. Uh, and the fact that Atlanta leaned on that so much, particularly in 2021. Uh, really, really makes me appreciate Draco as a thrower. And then the fact that he could just switch over to this more downfield hybrid approach starting 2022, I think that that versatility has shown throughout the past two seasons at like a pretty, pretty extreme difference from going from that like go-to center handler, which he just fell into that role last year out of necessity to really like build an offense around this downfield cutter that is still going to be the engine that drives the disc downfields. Uh, I think Draco, to me, like there's a bigger gap between Draco and the rest of his teammates than there is against Rowan uh, and the rest of his teammates. But I, I guess that's not really a direct 
category we have, just more of an observation, more just appreciating the the absolute talent level that I've seen from Draco. I'm realizing we're 40 minutes into this and there's like six names. So I still Who we missed. <laughs> I mean, we haven't talked yeah. about Jack Williams. We haven't talked about Eric Taylor. We haven't Ooh. talked about Gucho Hannes and Saul Yannick together. We haven't talked about Andrew Roy. We haven't talked about <laughs> Do we, Gordon Ryan are and gonna, John Mott and their kind are we gonna of talk, Yang ability. Are we going to talk Yannick, Yannick and Gucho Hannes as, as a single singular unit? Well, I kind of wanted to try and bridge it from the breeze. So I thought you brought up a good point with how Rowan exists in that ecosystem. You mentioned Johnny Malks. I think you have to also mention Tyler Monroe and Christian Boxley and their ability to, I think, really heighten Rowan's versatility. I think for as good as Rowan is singularly in his skill set, I think players being surrounding him like Boxley and Monroe really enable him to kind of interchange between backfield and upfield play. but yeah, I kind of wanted to talk about the relational quality of a lot of these throwers. I think we've been talking to this point about their singular abilities and analyzing them sort of irregardless of the context or the system they're in and the players that surround them. We talked a little bit about it with Oscar, obviously. You can't yeah. really talk about the New York Empire without ma- managing to can't talk about them. the amount of stars and the heliocentric nature of their roster, right? right. Anyways, I think that... I. Every single ultimate player exists in a greater ecosystem. The team is above individual in every matter of the word. I think it's interesting to talk about this stuff in an individual sense, but then you get to teams like DC or backfields like Gucho, Hannes, and Yannick, where it is impossible to really distill the individual from sort of the complementary pieces that exist alongside them. And I think that transitioning to Carolina's backfield and Gucho, Hannes, and Yannick they need to be talked about more because there's such a singular way for them to balance off of each other and provide the exact kind of atomic energy that that high octane, excuse me, high octane offense needs. Um, And it's, you can't really talk about either of those guys in individual senses. I think everybody knows that you could, Obviously, right. ask Evan Lepler, who loves to bring up the fact that they've known each other since they were infants or whatever. Um, <laughs> brings it up in every broadcast. You can't go a broadcast without mentioning that they like hugged every day in seventh grade or something. Um, they're they're inseparable is is the obvious thing. But I, I think wonder if that they hugged every day in seventh grade. <laughs> I don't know, man. They're really close. Sorry, dude. continue. <laughs> I, all right. I'll tell a funny anecdote. There we go. <laughs> I hope this is appropriate enough. In championship weekend before or during the halftime of the semifinal game against New York, both of them were going to use the facilities. And there was a group of players who were not playing in championship weekend. And I won't say what team, but they were in one of the closest <laughs> VIP boots. And as Yannick and Gucho Hannes were going towards the facilities, all of the players in the VIP booth were encouraging them to use the same one. Now, <laughs> I'm not saying any way about support of doing such a thing. I'm simply reporting that I was there and I witnessed this. So take with that from you, will, what you will. But anyways, getting back to the more important matters at hand. I think that Yannick and Gucho Hennis very much deserve to be on the list of best throwers in the league. I think that goes without any kind of question. Um, Gucho Hannes being one of the most precise 
distributors since he came into the league in 2021. And Yannick being one of the most dynamic throwers, I think. When you talk about both versatility and repertoire as a thrower and just kind of uh, what you, I think, referred to as... Um, it's not takeover ability, but he has something. Takeover ability. It's it's captainship. I actually think Gucho Hannes has more of a yeah, takeover ability. Leadership. Especially in the red really? zone. That dude is ruthless uh, in the red zone. I think I think of yeah, Yannick as maybe. more of a field general and the ability of him to strike deep and really activate uh, the Flyers' uh, deep game is what makes him so, so, so potent. But you don't necessarily see a whole bunch of Yannick just taking on unnecessarily large throwing capacity. He can do that. I'm not saying that he can't, but it doesn't feel like he's doing that in big games and that's leading them to wins, right? Like it feels like it's just kind of a statistical outcome or a number outcome for how they were playing in that given game. They're not like leaning on Yannick to win games. The Flyers are way too balanced to even rely on one individual, I think. Yeah, I think a lot of of what Yannick makes of what makes Yannick so great as a player is his, his, his versatility, but it's more so as a receiver than a pure thrower. Like it's like you said, releasing from the backfield and, and attacking with his legs. He's maybe one of the best handlers in the league at doing that and punishing defenses and, and knowing that like within. Time. Yeah, no, I did it all the time. I and mean, he was, going up against MKB HD and he's like burning him like somewhat repeatedly uh, yeah. in the deep space. Nothing against Brownlee, obviously <laughs> fantastic defensive season. But I think that just goes to show like this. Yannick is a very versatile player, but to me it's more about his receiving ability than his pure throwing ability. I feel like we're getting a little, maybe a little off track, a little more into like all around, you know, like MVP caliber players rather than strictly throwing ability like we're talking about best throwers i agree there is some element of of you know compatibility in a backfield or ability to play in any system or ability to thrive within their own system but when it comes to just like pure throwing ability i i struggle to put either yannick or gucho hannes in like the top tier of this conversation you're separating them and that's what i think is my larger point that you can't really do you can't you, we can't, can't really we, distill though? the individual out of the system. No, because they all exist on these teams and have these performances because of the six other players. Not not to say not to say that, but we can we can go based on what we've seen from them. Uh, so what like whatever whatever that system is showcasing, whatever skill like you know, not everyone can be Jordan Kerr in the Salt Lake offense, but sure maybe if you put Saul Yannick in that same role we would see it like a bigger variety of throws and be talking about him differently but like the evidence we have is these players in their respective systems so I, I just think I mean even it, passing yards last year he has an amazing deep throwing ability he can complete 60 passes in a game I don't know what you mean saying he's not necessarily deserving to be on the system. I think he's got a bunch of qualities that fit our criteria list. And I think especially yeah, but I feel I feel like I'd point I'd point to other guys probably in most of them. Like I could point to a player in most of these categories that's definitely ahead of Soliana. Sure, but I think his elevated status in almost every single one deserves mention on this list. And I think, you know, to complicate matters further, I think there's 
another player on their own Flyers squad who has an incredible <laughs> resume in his own right in Eric Taylor. You know, like yes. we talk about, I think, a lot of the singular qualities on this criteria list and Eric Taylor's just checking boxes, you know, uh, infinite throwing bag, range on both sides, super versatile, able to get upfield and also be in the backfield. Uh, an amazing puller, maybe the best puller in the league. Uh, you know, you can't say enough about the guy. And I think more and more jaw-dropping throws. They're Again, they're different from Kerr. They're different from Nethercut. But some of the times when he's doing that, like, drop step, uh, yes. half pivot, he, a round break, or he's doing, like, a agreed. high release near the goal line. He had he's one against... Fun hammers also. He's got great hammers. He's got, you know, 60-yard range with his hammers. Again, he has 80-yard range, it feels like, with his flick and his backhand. But then he's also got more and more these kind of switch-the-field throw, throw to the future, throw a receiver open, where he's reading things like a step or two quicker than the defense, and his offense understands that they just got to kind of run to a space and the disc will be delivered there. He had a throw against Atlanta in their second matchup this past season where he just stepped out around a defender and and from a really low angle just sort of lasers this 50-yard cross-field backhand into space for, I think it was Fisher. I believe it was Fisher. But just, it's one of those throws where I think you have to watch a bit of the game to understand exactly how difficult that is given the release angle and everything. And he's just making it look super casual in the flow of everything. Like he's got that kind of mixtape quality to him that I think goes a little untalked about. He's just so smooth with it. A lot of times. He is. I, I think maybe he falters a bit in the risk reward balance. Like we see some deep shots get away from him from time to time. But again, I think he, his, I think that's again, back, back to the, Back to the system, it sort of allows him to be in a more free-flowing shot-taking role, similar to Yannick's role, and 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 how it complements Gujohanna. So, so yes, I I think it is impossible to separate players out of their systems, but but based on what we've seen and like the consistency in some of these jaw-dropping throws, I I don't know. I'm still I'm still just on the nethercut train, really. When I when I think about it. Not to say that none of these other throwers are like as impressive, but it's it's like the consistent it's the consistent impressiveness and the consistent like gravity that I I don't see enough from these other guys, I think. Not well, to, not to rain down on on the Flyers parade at all. Very yeah, good group really. of throwers. <laughs> Yeah, you're really. I think it's hard because the fl- the Flyers are so balanced, right? So, like, how do you even separate any of these guys from? So is New York, and I'm gonna bring Who's up another best? player who you talk about consistent impressiveness, and I think a specific kind of jaw drop ability, amazing resume. Jack freaking Williams, let alone playoff he's, he's Jack. He's pretty yes. good, and while he doesn't have like necessarily some of these no-look scubers or or the deep throws of some of these other players that we've mentioned, he can do those things. He's just such a terminator in ruthlessly grinding down defenses that he usually doesn't have to dip too far into his bag to just kind of put a defender underwater. 
right? Like people are just out there swimming in the open ocean against Jack at times. You talk about takeover ability. There isn't another player like him in the league right now. And you saw that this past fall when New York went perfect and Jack Williams was just dominating in the playoffs, right? Like you needed a drive to be executed to completion. Just clear out and let Jack work, man. And obviously he's got an incredible team around him. No, no doubt about it. But you talk about singular ability. There is only one Jack Williams right now, and he continues to show it. There just isn't a player that can execute at his level in big spots as consistently as him. There, there just is not in this league. I think Ben Yacht has shown it in championship games the past few seasons. I think Ben Yacht is absolutely deserving of his two-time MVP status and everything, but when it just comes down to who you want with the disc in a big moment, I think almost everyone in the league is going to pick Jack Williams. Yes, yes. I I worry about like grouping in his his incredible all-around skill set. Like can you really isolate just his throwing for him as a player? Well, I think he did have back... oh, I was going to say he did have that super impressive thumber in 2021, which was a, a dime of a throw. And I would say that his his just the IO flick, the 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 red yeah. zone tight window throws, like they're not as flashy as the curb big open up across field lefty flick or the nether cut bomb or you know the Rowan uh dishy stuff. Like it doesn't even the Eric Taylor variety pack of swaggy throws, I don't think that Jack quite gets to that level. But when he's just slicing and dicing players over and over and over and over and over again, you know, and just hitting people in stride and making it all look so easy, there's got to be something to that. I mean, in the playoffs, he completed 44, 45, and 42 passes, had five turnovers, completed over 360 yards uh, of through the air in each of the playoff wins, had 18 assists. Like, in terms of numbers and just what happens as a result when Dak, when excuse me, Jack Williams throws it to somebody else on his team, it's it's the most winning equation in the sport. And so I think because of that, he has to be on this list. Like certainly, yeah. he doesn't he, just you know wow you in in the senses of Nethercut or even his teammate Osgar at times and his creativity as a thrower. I just think the Williams execution factor and his ability to wow you with that. You know, I I think back to one of the most impressive performances and his coach, Charlie Hoppus talked about this at the time was in week four or five, when they were on the road in Montreal in a heavy downpour game. Oh yeah. Thousand fans in the stands being real loud, trying to get the Royale who at that time were I think three and two and really in the thick of the East division playoff race, some extra juice and Jack Williams came out in the rain and completed 57 of 59 throws for 461 yards and four assists. And you go back and watch the highlights. There are drives in the first half where you can almost not see player to player because the rain is coming down so hard. And Jack Williams mm-hmm. is throwing these tight RPM, low release, break side throws and just keeping the New York offense driving. And it's just, it's, there aren't 
other people doing that. There aren't just people almost out there just walking around in the elements, just leading an attack down the field in that kind of environment. There just isn't. Nobody is doing that. It's not it's not flashy in a highlight way, but if you're a gamer, I don't know that there's m- much more of an impressive performance that you can have than that, of just simply executing in and out every drive, being the backbone his, of the most efficient offense ever. His play style is, is kind of Pavel-esque in a lot of ways, too. Like that that quick vision that he displays yes. so much of the time where it's not... It's not these like game-changing cross-field bombs that we might see from Nethercut or Oscar, but the consistent ability to to take what's given to him and just like make these reads at, at seemingly a faster rate than anyone else. I think that that's also just a huge part of his game that should be mentioned. And then I would I would also go back to like risk reward balance as like I think maybe like the the jaw dropping throws to to turnover ratio I, I, jack might i mean osgar is probably leading the charge in that category but jack's inside flicks like are are just such difficult throws that i'm consistently blown away by and the fact he can like take these throws without hesitation and i don't know that i've ever seen him miss one i just think there's there's an incredible amount of consistency that is required and when you're making like that level of difficulty throws it's just it's hard to be a a high percentage thrower uh at that level and and i also want to talk about like his his red zone ability i would love if we had individual red zone stats because like i can't think of a jack williams red zone turnover like is there another player you would rather have leading your team in the red zone like you know he's not going to try like some weird blady or like weird scoobery stuff across the field or bomb it from one corner of the end zone to the opposite back corner but you you trust him to get it in eventually and I, I think Oscar was extremely efficient with that this past season as well but we also saw Oscar in the 2021 championship game that he tried forcing some of those blades and there's just never an element of jack like forcing throws which I think just speaks to his consistency and, and allows him to have such a high level of, of takeover ability when he's just not making errors, but remaining aggressive. There's certainly examples because he doesn't have a Sterling Huck number, right? And you even just think about anecdotally, some of the completions they had in the playoffs were just prayers into the end zone. And while he has that certain je ne sais quoi, because he just completes buzzer beaters. That's his thing. We've known that now. Like he's just it's magic. Like the disc is magic. The the game. When yeah, yeah, it's got like some sparkle to it when it's in his. It's like hands. a Madden badge or something. He has end of <laughs> yeah, yeah. quarter ability. A game know. breaker from it. Yeah, uh, exactly. NFL like, there's, there's nothing that explains it other than it is. Um, yeah. But you know, they're not like he's not completing. Uh, draco-esque huck percentage right and that's that's why i wouldn't i wouldn't quite put him at the same level as these other players because i i haven't been overly impressed by jack williams deep game Uh, uh, when you're you're comparing when you're splitting hairs at this level of elite thrower i think you have to consider just like 
the the pure consistency and and outright talent of of nailing these deep shots. Maybe Jack could do it, but I haven't seen it what enough is, to. But beyond the aesthetic appeal, beyond the aesthetic appeal of those deep difficulty shots, difficulty also. It's hard to throw a disc really far and in in perfect stride with your receiver. That's true, but Jack. It's Williams a it's aesthetic also. It's just not his preferred attack mode. You know, I, I think it's fine. Then I I want to see him do it more before I say like he is the best thrower in the league. I think the it's best like thrower in the league that, has uh, to have that. I think they have like, to have that, and they have to show it. You that's, sound that's like stance. the NBA heads who discriminate against Giannis because he doesn't have some sort of drop backs you know mid-range jumper game we're talking about best threes. throwers best right. throwers and, and you're saying that they should be able to make the range, most difficult throws jack, in ultimate because jack might have a slightly more limited range than some of the other names we've been talking about that he isn't as effective as a thrower i don't think is you know like if he's putting up these kinds of numbers and leading teams to undefeated seasons, and when you ask people around the league, who do you want with the disc in the fourth quarter, and everyone consensusly agrees on the same person, I don't know that it really matters that he can't but throw But it's the yard. There's a different like reason. If he's there's a just different reason why he's selected the there. Zone, if he's just pounding the rock into the end zone with brutal efficiency and he's just throwing up platter cake pancakes to people... I, like I, it makes him the best I player. I just don't. I don't think that necessarily means he's the best thrower. I don't know, man. Like that's I the reason why they want the disc in Jack's hands. He is the best player in the AUDL. He should have the disc in his hands. Yeah, but again, it gets I, back I to think the best thrower implies versatility, vision. He's well, a, I was also a, thinking yeah, you know if we had throw after the throw, we don't have a we don't have clutchness as an official category, but obviously you would put Jack there as well. Like high high pressure situations. Again, I think he he does so many things well. It's just the hucking game that I would I would I would pump the brakes a little bit in in saying that he is the best thrower in the AUDL. So would you put a player like Abe Coffin above him on this list? Because I think he's a name that we haven't brought up yet that deserves no. some mention here. Really? Because I... technically Abe Coffin's deep game over the years consistently has been a little ahead of Jack Williams's. Yeah, I don't know. I I think Coffin's completion percentage this past year concerned me a little bit. He was on defense. Putting him in that too, conversation. I, to, I know, I know. In the context of this specific discussion i just think we need to omit the fact that he took more shots on a defense when he's shown Maybe. an ability when he's on offense is to complete at a very high percentage of course i'm thinking back to his 2019 season he had that perfect south division championship game against the flyers it was 49 of 49 for nine assists or whatever you know i i think he's proven that he can be that kind of thrower especially in big games yeah no, he he has. I I wouldn't. I still wouldn't put him above Jack. I think he he does probably have better range on his throws, but I don't think we we really saw consistent enough hucks, even when he was playing with Dallas, to be like that's his bread and butter. No, his bread and butter was similar, like decisive handler, facilitator. You know, give and go, extraordinaire, like a, kind of a similar vibe as Jack, honestly. But I think Jack does it better 
than anyone else, like of that specific style of thrower. So who are you going to pick for your best thrower? We still have the st- that I would love to talk about. with Nethercut. Nethercut's, Nethercut's the best thrower in the league. I'm, I'm standing by that. I, I'm just, I'm in disbelief the most when I'm watching John Nethercut. Yeah, I don't think that, again, I don't think there's necessarily a wrong pick here. I think there's a lot yeah. of good options you could go have you Have you swayed at all from, from your original Osgar pick? I will say Osgar, I would I would put second. Like he, to me, it was between Osgar and Nethercut. It was just... The more I thought about it and watching highlights of both of them, I'm just, it, it's its too impressive what Jonathan Nethercutt is able to do with the disc. I think I might be swinging myself a bit to Kerr right now, just because of Ooh, how unstoppable yeah, I like that pick. certain kinds of his throws are and still how efficient he was. I think he, when you talk about sure. that balance between risk and reward, he might have had one of the best seasons as far as that goes. I know he has a lower completion percentage than, say, a, Jack Williams or or Pavel Giannis, but yeah, it's still not so low. He, like he a, was a very respectable good. for a guy that threw ninety assists. You know, you can't complete all of those aggressive throws. And I he was, more often than not, the aggressiveness worked out. He was eighty five percent on his hucks during the regular season and a thousand percent or a hundred percent, I should say, four four in the two playoff games against San Diego and Colorado. I don't know what more you can ask for a guy who takes the kinds of looks he does. You know, like he is completing those deep shots at a fantastic rate. And yet it also speaks to he's not over relying on it. They're not just pumping gas into that and trying to get him to take five huck looks a game. They do mostly utilize him in almost small ball scenarios and getting his length to really manipulate on the mark. You know, so I think his his kind of differentiation of attack his variability is is one of the best in the league right now and while he's still developing as a thrower he's proving to be one of the most potent so it, it's just it's hard right like he doesn't he doesn't have that resume quite yet yeah he's he has to keep doing the, it for a couple rise. seasons what is this put the, him up there the third 60 assist season for jonathan nethercut you know the the second for osgar <laughs> right. the the third for Rowan at 50 plus, you know, like these guys have been there, done that. I think with Kerr, I'll give him a superlative here. I would say he was the deadliest thrower in the red zone specifically, meaning like of all the players in the league, if they got the disc in their hands in the red zone as a defense, I would just be terrified. I'd be terrified of that particular throw. Not to say like Osgar and Williams weren't like super dynamic and Jack Williams. But sorry, not, but it's, Jared. but because sorry, it's, it's, no, 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 no. Okay. I would agree with you. And that's Jack Williams. If you're taking into account, like the motion that he creates in the red zone, but it's just one throw disc is in the hands of one player. It's scariest if it's Jordan Kirk, cause it's probably going into the end zone. I wouldn't say it's probably going to the end zone. If Jack Williams has the disc, he's not a high assist getter. Like he's the hockey assist man. Hockey assist King. I don't even have a response. He had 40 plus assists. <laughs> he had 18 assists in three playoff games. Come on, man. Right, Come fine. on. Well, we're not right. we're not comparing, we're not isolating playoff jack. But if we were, fine. Maybe I would say playoff jack is the best player in, in the history of the sport. 
Um, we're not even slowing this car down. I'm just going to jump yet. out of a moving car right now because otherwise we're going to go down this hole and I'm going to argue with you for the next four hours about all this stuff in fine detail. But- Jack Williams is the 12th best player in the AUDL. <laughs> Don't you reference that Alter World article. Don't you do that. No, I'm kidding. I, 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 I already said it on the show. He is the best He's the best player in the league. He's the best player in the world. Uh, I just don't think he's the best thrower. Arguing against yourself, man. All right. That'll do it for this episode of Swing Pass. We will be back next week. I know we mentioned last week that season awards from the league were supposed to be announced this week. That was not the Fake case. Out. They're being announced. Next week, you can expect the MVP, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, all AUDL awards, all rookie teams, Coach of the Year, announced next week on the AUDL social media. Be sure you follow along with the league channels. Then, that'll do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. On behalf of Daniel and I, we will see you in seven days. Take it easy.